welcome to you wherever you're at, whomever you are with. We are so very glad that you are here with us for these few moments this weekend. Before we jump into our teaching, do want to mention this uh, great resource called the Version. Uh, just go in in, in your app store, uh, search for Version, download it. It's absolutely free has every translation of the Bible you can imagine, all kinds of reading plans, video clips, and a complete set of notes for this weekend's message under events. Search for Arlington FM Church. Uh, also, I uh, want to mention our podcast. Uh, if you've missed any of our series, uh, all of the content that uh, we have, you can find it uh, in your podcast player. Just search for Arlington FM Church and uh, you will find uh, them there. Uh, well, I do want to uh, jump into our weekend message by asking you a question. Uh, and here it is. What's your favorite type of story? Uh, what kind of books do you like to read? You know, I had a friend who was into Western books. I mean, like really into Western books. Zane Gray, he read them all. Uh, Louis L'Amour, couldn't put them down. Uh, or maybe uh, you like your stories in movie format. And so I would ask you, what's your favorite type of movie? You know, there are action movies, comedies, drama, fantasy, and sci-fi. Uh, thriller movies, there are crime thrillers, disaster thrillers, psycho thrillers, and techno thrillers. And uh, then, of course, there's uh, mysteries and romance movies. Uh, what's your favorite? Uh, you know, mine's a toss-up. Uh, somewhere between uh, epic fantasy movies like Lord of the Rings, and uh, got to admit, I like a good rom-com uh, movie. Uh, but here's a question that's uh, maybe a bit more searching than what's your favorite type of book, story, or movie. Uh, here's the question. Uh, what type of story would best portray your life? You know, what genre uh, would best frame your life story if you were going to pick one would it be a comedy maybe a dark comedy would it be a mystery full of twists and turns and surprises that no one uh, could have anticipated uh, maybe it's one of those mysteries that ends without being solved and you've got to watch the sequel is that how you would best portray your life or god forbid uh, maybe you would pick the genre uh, as a tragedy or a horror movie uh, to frame uh, all the challenging and difficult things that you have gone through. Well, this being February and uh, tomorrow being Valentine's Day, uh, it shouldn't be too hard to think about love stories. And uh, who can uh, not appreciate an occasional viewing of You've Got Mail or Sleepless in Seattle or the true classic uh, love story, uh, Princess Bride? Well, today's message is called Make Your Life a Love Story, and it's based on this truth that only you and I ultimately get to decide what our story is about. I hear that again. I believe that's not only a common sense look at life truth, but it's a biblical truth that only you get to decide what your story is ultimately about. You dictate. Uh, how your storyline will read. In fact, God gives us a choice, and no one but you gets to make that choice about your life story. Now, uh, here's something, if you're thinking ahead, uh, the, the reality is bad things happen to good people. Uh, things come our way, 
that we didn't plan on, that we wouldn't write into the script. Uh, maybe your story has had a horrible beginning, and you've had things that have broken your heart, and dashed your hopes and your dreams. Uh, you know, they say that the best stories are the ones that have a certain amount of conflict in them uh, because they make us anticipate a better outcome. And maybe now you're thinking, okay, well, maybe there is a possibility my story doesn't have to be a tragedy or a horror flick, that it can actually be a good story. Uh, maybe someone watching your story, observing it uh, as a movie, would say, ouch, uh, that's depressing, that's sad. Uh, maybe you've got some friends like Job, who when they watched uh, his story unfold, they reached their conclusions. They analyzed uh, the movie of Job's life and said, well, obviously, he's screwing up. He's making choices that are causing all these disasters to enter into his life. And uh, as the saying says, with friends like that, who needs enemies? Uh, you know, if you've watched the Olympics at all, uh, you know who Michaela Schifrin is. Uh, this photo kind of depicts her life before the Olympics. Uh, Michaela was widely recognized as the best woman skier in the world, the most dominating on the world circuit, perhaps in history and uh, she was uh, on top of the world two years ago in 2020. Uh, her father, pictured in that upper uh, right-hand photo, uh, had a, a bizarre accident in his home. He fell and he hit his head. Uh, well, he never came back from the hospital. And within uh, weeks, uh, he had died from his head injury. Well, Michaela went into a severe depression, uh, didn't want to get out of bed didn't want to eat, spent a lot of time crying, and certainly didn't want to compete in this very dangerous uh, profession of downhill racing. Uh, well, uh, over the last two years, she fought her way back, uh, began to get into training, uh, started competing again, was winning uh, races, in fact, was uh, back uh, recognized as the best women skier in the world. And after all of her training and sacrifices and grit, and determination. Uh, last week, her first Olympic event, uh, the women's giant slalom, uh, she was favored uh, to win the gold medal, uh, but it ended after just 11 seconds when she inexplicably slipped uh, on a routine turn. Uh, two days later, her second Olympic event, this was her specialty, and uh, story, the outcome was even worse. Uh, after five seconds, she missed a gate, and uh, you know, you put those two events together, and after years of blood, sweat, tears, uh, grit, determination, overcoming depression, uh, regaining her old form, all of that evaporated in 16 seconds. And in this photo, she, uh, she sat there motionless on the side of the ski run for 20 minutes, uh, trying to process, trying to absorb uh, what had happened to her Olympic experience. Uh, when she was kind enough to show up for an interview uh, a few minutes later, she was almost incoherent. It was truly heartbreaking. And, uh, you know, you have to ask the question, uh, who can fathom that kind of disappointment? Well, the real answer is most of us can. Uh, because the truth of the matter is, uh, although our disappointments, our setbacks may not be as uh, infamous and uh, newsworthy as Michaela Schifrin's the truth is, you've got your own, uh, as do I. Uh, maybe it's the loss of a relationship, the loss of a career, the loss of your health, 
the sickness of a child or the loss of a child, the loss of hope. Uh, you know, uh, when it comes to uh, where these disasters fit into our life story, uh, I was reminded of Proverbs chapter 14, 10. Here's how it reads. Uh, the heart knows its own bitterness, and no stranger shares its joy. What's that saying? Uh, no one truly knows the depth of our disappointment, but ourselves is something we carry in our hearts, and as much as we'd like to express it, uh, it really uh, is something that we carry alone. Um, but here's the truth that I want to declare in this message. Regardless of all of that, not minimizing any of the pain that you have experienced uh, or may be still experiencing, uh, not uh, diminishing uh, the significance of those hurts and those setbacks, the matter is, the truth of the matter is, you still have the power and the opportunity to decide what your story is about. We get to choose how those moments of despair fit in to the greater story. And so I would ask you again, which genre would best allow you to tell the story of your life? God wants to give you the ability he wants to empower your decisions to write a good ending. Hear that again. I believe that with all my heart and believe the scriptures teach that. God wants to give you the ability to write a good ending to your story regardless of what has happened up to this point. And uh, as you might guess, uh, with the theme of this weekend, Valentine's Day on the horizon, uh, I think the best genre to write a good ending to our story is a love story. In fact, uh, hear these words from the Apostle Paul in his letter to the Ephesians, chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. Uh, Paul says this, Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love. Uh, let your highway to life be one that's uh, filled with expressions and experiences of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. And so uh, here's what Paul is, is saying. He's saying, look, uh, we get to decide uh, what the tone and the tenure of our lives will be, and we can choose uh, to make the story of our lives a story of love, a story of great love. And, uh, you know, he, God wants to sow uh, help us uh, to fill in the chapters of our lives that anyone observing them, if they were asked, well, what's that person's life about? Their answer would be, it's, it's a pretty amazing love story. It's heartwarming. It uh, captures your interest, really, when you see what they're living out. And uh, maybe as you hear this, uh, you're thinking, well, how do you do that? You know, do you just snap your fingers and suddenly your tragedy or your horror story becomes a love story, well, it's not quite that easy, but uh, there is a way that we can move into that uh, life story. And it's kind of like this. If you can imagine uh, that Jesus is approaching you today, and uh, happen to believe he still does that because he's a living Lord, but imagine Jesus standing before you, and he has two manuscripts, and uh, the first one uh, would look like this. It's your life story, part one. And uh, it would include uh, all of the good, the bad, and the ugly that has brought you to this point in your life. And uh, believe me, uh, 
Again, the Bible portrays that Jesus is well aware of every jot and tittle. He's aware of the highs and the lows and everything in between. Uh, Think of the woman at the well. As Jesus began to engage her in her life story, he revealed that he knew everything about her, that she'd been through five marriages and uh, none of them worked out. And uh, now imagine that Jesus has a second manuscript. And this one uh, actually is your life part two. And uh, imagine as Jesus puts that uh, screenplay in front of you, uh, that uh, in fact, I'll put words in his mouth based on things that Jesus has said about himself and based on things the Bible has taught about Jesus. Uh, Imagine him saying this to you. uh, How about we make part two really good? In fact, how about we make it amazing? Uh, How about we write something worthy of an Academy Award, uh, something that really captures the interests and touches the hearts of people who read or view it. In fact, Jesus would say, let's make part two of your story a great love story. Uh, It's really uh, this this message, this teaching is God's invitation uh, to make your life about loving people the way that Jesus loves you, uh, to let that be your storyline and that everything that takes place, uh, the victories as well as the defeats, Uh, can fit in, can find their place in embellishing that story of loving people the way that Jesus loves you. Well, if you're open to that, uh, here's where, according to the words of the Apostle Paul, uh, here's how that story takes shape. It begins with this. uh, Making your life a great love story begins with seeing and receiving great love. Uh, These these are the components. uh, These are the elements of a life uh, story that is all about loving God and loving people. In fact, Paul says this, follow God's example, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. You know, following an example is something you have to see to do. Uh, You're not getting a a, a, a set of instructions. You're not getting three easy steps. When you follow an example, you're watching someone do something, and then you're doing as they have done. And uh, here's the truth. Uh, We can't live out a love story when all we've seen about relationships is uh, kind of a dog-eat-dog, you know, use others, manipulate others, abuse others, uh, violate others to get what we want out of those relationships. Uh, It tends to be why people who grow up in uh, crummy homes reproduce crummy relationships. We tend to do what we've seen. We follow the examples that we are most familiar with. And uh, so I would say this, uh, we have to see something better before we can live something better. And that's really Paul's invitation is uh, look at the example of what God has done for you in Jesus Christ if you want your life story to be one that's about amazing love. You know, uh, one of the things that drew me to Christ as a 21-year-old trying to figure out what was up and what was down is uh, as I began to be around church people, uh, one of the things I noticed was uh, men who were serious about following Jesus, uh, the way that they loved and served their wives. Uh, That was astounding to me. I'd never seen uh, anything like that in my life experience. And uh, that example uh, made a strong impression on me. 
of uh, men who seemed to have uh, their, their ducks in a row. They were committed uh, to loving and serving their wives. And uh, though I made many mistakes, I tried to follow that example uh, throughout my married life. And uh, often our, our grown children, thank God, have said things to my wife and I like, uh, thank you for your loyalty and your commitment to each other. Uh, see, they got to see the example of uh, their imperfect mom and dad uh, trying to live out the kind of love that God has expressed to us. And guess what? As they've grown, as they've met their spouses, as, as they've gotten married, uh, they're loyal and committed to their spouses. How are they able to do that? Well, they've seen an example, and they have something that they can follow. And, uh, you know, John, uh, the uh, Apostle John was known as the beloved disciple. And so he had a few things to say about experiencing the love of God. And when he consolidated his thoughts, here's what he passed on to us. This is how we know what love is, John would write. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. This is the, 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 the highest example John can come up with of a demonstration of love that is genuine and real and life-changing is that Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. Here's uh, Paul's two bits of how he would speak that same truth, Romans chapter 5. God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still far away from God, making dumb choices, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. See, God wants you to know what real love looks like so that you can begin to live out uh, a love story in your own life. Well, uh, we not only need to see great love to live it, we need to receive great love to live it. Uh, we need to see great love uh, through the person of Jesus, but we need to receive great love in order to live it. In fact, Paul says this, follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children. Uh, live out uh, this example that you've seen as someone who has experienced great love. Uh, you see, making our lives a love story uh, must begin with a foundation of being loved by God. Uh, it's simply impossible to do apart from knowing uh, that our Creator uh, has this unconditional and uh, amazing love that He has demonstrated and brought into our life experience. Uh, you know, I. Um, I sat with a man in my office once years ago, and uh, this man had uh, been around church all his life, uh, served in uh, various capacities in the church, uh, been uh, uh, a devoted uh, Christian for decades. But as we sat in my office, he confided in me. He said, you know, I've never felt loved by God. That was astounding to me that after decades of being around this kind of love that's been demonstrated and poured out, he said, I have never felt loved by God. And, uh, you know, here's the truth. Uh, love, when we experience it from God, changes everything. It changes our world. It changes our outlook on ourselves and others. Uh, I remember a song uh, that I learned in the fourth grade and uh, the words are as clear today as they were then. Uh, the song, uh, it's uh, almost being in love. And uh, here's the way the, the lyrics went. Uh, All the music of life seems to be like a bell that is ringing for me. 
And from the way that I feel when those bells start to peal, why, it's almost like being in love. And, uh, you know, love does. It really does change us. It changes us on the inside and on the outside. I was reading an article on the components of being in love, and uh, this really got into the physiology of being in love with someone. And uh, here's what they had to say, uh, that when you're in love, you feel charged and euphoric when you're around the object of your affection. Uh, When you're around that special someone, it increases uh, dopamine and norepinephrine, uh, and these lead to feelings of pleasure, of giddiness, and of nervous excitement. You remember that feeling? Uh, other key hormones, such as oxytocin, uh, help cement your attraction by promoting trust and empathy and long-term attachment to that person. Uh, you can't wait to see them again, even when they've just left. In fact, your thinking is often, after spending all day with your partner, you still feel lonesome when they leave. You wonder what they're doing and whether they're thinking about you. Maybe you already have plans to meet the next day, but you still wonder how you'll manage until you see them again when you're in love. Uh, Everything feels exciting and new. Being in love can change the way you see the most mundane Uh, Even everyday activities like going to the grocery store can become more enjoyable when you're in love. Uh, People in love feel more willing to try new things or or things they previously didn't care about. I remember uh, when I first met Janine, I started uh, trying new things. I started reading books, actual novels, and not the sports page, uh, books by James Mishner. Uh, I started listening to music by People like Cat Stevens and Van Morrison instead of the Rolling Stones and Led Zeppelin. Uh, When I first met Janine, I even started going to church. Why? Because she was there occasionally. And uh, when you're in love, the article goes on, you always make time for that special someone. You don't mind making sacrifices for them. You tend to idealize them. You see them through rose-colored glasses. You uh, magnify They're good qualities. Oh, they're a great listener. Uh, They're musically talented. They have a warm smile uh, while you gloss over their weaknesses. Why? Because you're in love. And uh, you might be thinking, is being in love with God like that? And the answer is no, (laughs) thankfully. Uh, Though there may be some of those attributes, the fact is uh, when we're in love with God, it's much more foundational. It's much more sustainable. It's much more real and uh, enduring. In fact, uh, being in love with God is kind of like this. The psalmist describes uh, his love for God in Psalm 116. Here's what he says. I love the Lord. Why? Because he heard my voice. He inclined his ear to me. You know, they say the first uh, act of love is noticing someone. And the second act is listening to them. And uh, the psalmist says, look, I love God because he heard my voice and he turned his ear to me. And therefore, uh, I'm in a relationship with him. I'm going to call upon him as long as I live. And then he describes uh, when he turned to God, he says, the cords of death entangled me. That sounds like a, a pretty grave spot he was in. The anguish of the grave came over me. 
I was overcome by distress and by sorrow. And then I called on the name of the Lord. I said, Lord, save me. And he goes on. You might want to read the psalm on your own. But he says later, you, Lord, you've delivered me from death. My eyes from tears. See how concrete he's getting. My feet from stumbling so that I may walk before you in the land of the living. See, the psalmist is in love with God because he saw God and he received love from God. And I'll tell you, when we learn that God sees and he hears us and that he inclines his ear towards us, it positions us to hear God. Hear that again. When we get it, that God sees us, that he notices us, when the cry comes out of the depths of our heart, he responds to us. It sets the stage for us to respond to God and to begin to build that love relationship with him. I remember as a brand new follower of Christ, I was going through my first real, what we call trials, my first real challenge, ordeal. And uh, it was this, my girlfriend had ditched me. And uh, don't be too sad, it had a good outcome. A couple of years later, uh, we got back together in relationship. We got married, we've been married uh, ever since. Uh, but at the time uh, when she uh, decided it was time to end this relationship, uh, for me it was Heartbreak Hotel. Uh, I was despondent and uh, I, I kept feeling like my faith in God was requiring me to get over it, uh, to let it go, uh, to uh, not be worried about the fact that uh, she had left me. And uh, as I was struggling to, uh, you know, kind of grin and bear it, uh, praise God in spite of the fact uh, uh, of how uh, disappointed I was, uh, I was struggling to reconcile that with uh, my faith in God. And it's almost like I, I heard a, a voice from God. I definitely heard in my heart uh, this thought, and the thought was this uh, from God. I'm not asking you to pretend it doesn't hurt. I'm asking you to believe that I care. And I got to tell you, uh, hearing that from God was transformative for me. It was a revelation uh, that I didn't have to pretend to be anything other than what I was and to believe that God cared about the things that concerned me. It was very similar to the psalmist saying that God inclined his ear unto me. And, uh, you know, when we, when we hear that inclination of God, uh, life changes. In fact, uh, there's, a, there's a theme in Scripture of the beautiful things that happen when people hear the voice of God, however subtle or dramatic it may be. Uh, psalm 81 is really a it's the psalmist remembering when he first heard God, when people first heard God of creation speaking to them. Here's the way he describes it. He says, I heard an unknown voice, and here's what it was saying. I removed the burden from your shoulders, and your hands were set free from the basket. In your distress, you called, and I rescued you. See, this is the essence of experiencing the love of God is that the, the voice of God uh, removes the burdens from our shoulders. Uh, think of Jesus saying, is anyone weary and burdened? Let him come to me and you'll find rest for your soul. It's a voice of freedom. It's a voice of liberty. It's a voice of God coming to us in our distress. 
Uh, it's a voice that responds to our cries for help. Uh, and Jesus said this, when we're in that place where we hear the voice of God, uh, Jesus said, the one who hears my voice has crossed over from death to life. That's a dramatic change. The one who hears my voice, uh, it's the voice that says to a woman caught in adultery, where are those who condemn you? Neither do I. It's the voice who spoke to the woman at the well and said, if you knew uh, who you were visiting with, you would have asked him for living water and he would have given it to you. It's the voice where Jesus said, whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will experience the light of life. And uh, see, going back to the psalmist is when we hear that voice, we hear the voice of God's love for us and our lives uh, can begin to become a great love story when we see the love that God has demonstrated through Jesus Christ and we receive that love as he intervenes in our challenges. And then finally, Paul says this, uh, walk in the way of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. And so uh, here's the message that uh, allows our lives to become love stories. Uh, when we see great love, when we receive great love, and finally, when we give great love. You see, giving great love, it's the choice to walk in the love we've received from God. It's exactly what Jesus said, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Freely give what you have freely received. And uh, you know, this screenplay that has been handed to us, uh, we can choose regardless of what part one of our life story was, uh, when Jesus uh, steps into our lives as he's doing right now, he's saying, how do you want part two to read? Uh, will it be a continuation? You know, will it be a tragedy? Will it be a horror story? Or will it be an amazing love story as you uh, see the great love that God has for you, as you receive and experience that? And then we make this choice uh, to daily give away the love that we so freely received. And uh, maybe here's a good habit you could develop. You know, we just had a series, My Good Habits. Well, here's a very simple one. They say the simpler the habit, the more easy it is to take it on. But what if you uh, sometime every day, one time each day, you just made this declaration because of Jesus, my life, is a great love story. Uh, what if you just made that declaration from this time forward because of Jesus? My life is a great love story and see all the stuff of life. It then begins to find its place within that greater tale. Uh, you know, I want to end uh, by referring to a great love story uh, that's found in uh, one of the Gospels. And uh, in this story, uh, obviously the Gospel writer took note of the kind of love that was being displayed. Uh, we're told that uh, one of the Pharisees, one of the religious uh, stuffed shirts of the day, um, he, um, he invited Jesus to have dinner at his house. And so Jesus went to the Pharisee's house and it says he was at the table. And a woman in that town, uh, who get this, lived a very sinful life, very broken life. She learned that Jesus was in this home eating with the Pharisee. And so she came there with an expensive jar of perfume. Uh, and as she stood behind Jesus, uh, you gotta uh, begin to feel the tension in the room. 
as this uh, very religious guy and his guests uh, inviting uh, Jesus to join him, uh, this sinful woman who he would have nothing to do with is now standing behind Jesus, and uh, she takes out this expensive jar of perfume, and it says uh, she began weeping. She began to wet Jesus' feet with her tears, and then she wiped them with her hair, and you're thinking, that's too much public display of affection. Uh, she begins to wipe uh, his feet with her hair. She kissed them, and she poured expensive perfume on them. And uh, Simon, the Pharisee, is getting pretty agitated. We're told uh, when the Pharisee who had invited Jesus saw this, he said to now this is important, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. And Jesus answered him. Now, uh, this is, uh, Simon says to himself, if this man were a prophet, he'd know who's touching him. You ever been corrected for something you only thought? Uh, you didn't even say it, you just thought it. And many of you who are married are thinking, yes, all the time. And uh, Jesus obviously uh, knew what Simon was thinking. And so he asked him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Uh, tell me, teacher, he said. And Jesus tells him a story. Uh, two people owed money to a certain money tender. One owed 500 denarii, the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back. So he forgave the debts of both. Now, Simon, uh, you're a smart man. Which of these two will love that one more? The one forgiven of a great debt or the one forgiven of just a small debt? Well, Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt uh, forgiven. And Jesus said, you've judged correctly. And then here's his point. Then he turned to the woman and he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet them with her tears and she wiped them with her hair. You didn't give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, uh, hear this lesson, Simon. Uh, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven loves little. And, uh, you know, Jesus... Uh, he wants us to know that our lives can be a great love story. And the place it begins is by seeing the kind of love that God has demonstrated for us, receiving, experiencing, living in that love, and out of that sense of gratitude, uh, our lives become an expression of the kind of love that we experience from Jesus daily. Uh, I want to invite you to pray with me. And uh, maybe as you've heard this message, you're thinking, you know, I, I kind of relate to that guy who uh, sat in your office and said, I've never really felt loved by God. And, and I totally uh, believe that the reason this story is in the Bible is uh, God doesn't want you on the outside looking in. He doesn't want you to go through religious duty and obligations, never experiencing the kind of love that changes things. And uh, yes, this woman was lavish, a bit exaggerated, but Jesus is saying, I'd much rather have that than this kind of empty, hollow experience. And so, Father, we would, we would just invite you right now, uh, Spirit of God, uh, you're the Spirit who causes 
the love of God to be shed abroad in our hearts. And uh, we pray right now as we're thinking about uh, the rest of our story and uh, how that will live out, uh, what, what, our, what movie will portray our experience of you. And we do pray that part two, which begins today, would be marked uh, by seeing the great love you have for us in a whole new way. And by receiving that love, uh, not keeping you, God, at arm's distance, but being like that psalmist uh, who could de uh, declare from the depths of his being, I love the Lord because he heard my voice and he inclined his ear unto me. Maybe as you're uh, hearing this message, you're thinking, you know, I I've never experienced the love of God, but I want to. Uh, I would like to uh, have that, that sense that when I call out to God, I have his attention. Uh, he's aware of my need. He's, he's coming to my aid. He, he's uh, asking me to believe that he cares about me. And, uh, you know, if you have that sense in your heart, uh, that's called faith. And uh, I want to give you the opportunity to express that faith and to turn that faith towards Jesus Christ. Uh, here's how you call on him. You can just say this in your heart. You don't even have to pray it out loud. But, uh, dear God, thank you for sending Jesus Jesus, thank you that you came. Uh, thank you that uh, you love me. And I do believe I'm hearing your voice right now, Lord. I, I want to be that one who crosses over from death to life. Uh, I want to be that one who no longer is walking in darkness, uh, but is walking according to your light. And so, Jesus, uh, come into my life. Uh, forgive me of my sins. Uh, allow me to experience that love that changes everything. Uh, help me uh, to learn how to follow you. I pray this in Jesus' mighty name, amen.